thank you, choir. I feel like we have already heard an Easter message this morning, but if you think I'm not gonna preach, you got another thing coming. <laughs> hey, let's do something real quick. Listen, I know, I know you've been up, you've been sitting. I want you to stand up. Listen, if you're in the back, if you're watching online, I want everybody to rise to your feet. And we're actually gonna do something that goes all the way back in time. And this is something that it was just a signifier. We're in this together. I'm gonna shout out, he is risen. You're gonna say, he is risen indeed. And what I love is as we're doing this here, literally believers around the world are joining in, celebrating the fact that we serve a risen savior. He is risen. He is risen oh, that was good. Let's try it again. He is risen. One more time. He is risen. Can we celebrate the fact we serve a risen Savior? Woo! You may be seated. You may be seated. Now, you would expect for me to, on Easter, read these words. I think I've read these words at some point every service. By the way, you can turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 15, but I've got to first read these words from Luke chapter 24. You see, there was a group of ladies who had been there at the cross. They had seen Jesus die. They had seen Jesus taken off the cross. They had seen him laid inside a borrowed tomb. They knew where he was laid. And I can't imagine what was going through their minds, but what they wanted to make sure is that they had taken spices, that, that, that his body was prepared as it should be. And we read in verse one, that on the first day of the week, this is Sunday, at early dawn, these girls, they went to the tomb taking the spices they had prepared. And the Spice Girls, that's what I call them, I like that. <laughs> they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but he has risen. And that's what we celebrate here today and what I wanna share. But before we get into 1 Corinthians 15, because we're gonna talk about this significance and what it means, here's what I wanna say. I gotta find out who I'm talking to. Anybody remember parachute pants? <laughs> like, I cannot see those pants without in my mind he hearing, dun, 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 can't touch this. You know, I just for some reason, man, I hear MC Hammer every time I see those pants. Listen, did you know it's hard to find them anywhere? Thank the Lord. I wore them. Thank the Lord. They're gone. They're gone. Now, there's another thing. Anybody remember the Walkman? Okay, real quick. How many of you still own cassette tapes? Yep, not give it up, are you? It's like, they're coming back. Listen, remember how the tape would come out? You'd have to roll up the pencil and all that sort of thing. The Walkman came out. We thought it was the coolest thing ever. Your music was right there. You had it. Those headphones are the worst headphones of all time. Like you hear everything else is going on, but man, we felt cool. Walkman, I went on, you can find them on eBay. That's about it. They're gone. They're gone. Now I'm really gonna test you. Anybody remember Waterbed? <laughs> Oh, did somebody say they still have a waterbed? Oh, come on. This is amazing. 
I asked in, I asked in another service, nobody, well, actually, they probably were scared to raise their hand. My brother and I, anytime we were somewhere, we didn't have a waterbed. Anytime we stayed somewhere that had a waterbed, we, like, we were like, this is the greatest thing in the world. And I know it wasn't good for waterbeds. In fact, it's a reason probably why there aren't too many waterbeds. My brother would lay on this side and I would take a running leap, bounce. He would shoot up towards the ceiling. We thought that was the greatest thing of all time. Waterbeds? except for yours, gone. <laughs> it's interesting because we can go through any number of things, TV shows, gone, canceled, athletic achievements, your trophies. You might still have the trophies. They're gone. And we get this. It's interesting. Anybody ever hear the phrase cancel culture? Cancel culture? This, this phenomenon where, you know, if, if, you've, if you've screwed up, if you've said something, done something, or, or whatever the case happens to be, you know, it's this thing in which we, man, we just, we X people out. Let's wipe them away. Let's cancel them. Now, you, we have that phrase now, cancel culture, but it's been around for a long time. It's been around for a long time in the, in, the, in the sense that sometimes it might be others who have tried to, to cancel or ostracize or, or, or push off, don't, don't, you know, unclean, unclean. But, but, but a lot of times we've, we've done it to ourselves because of our sins, because of our guilt, because of our shame, maybe the fear that this is the end of the world, the, the road, or maybe we're, we're scared if people would really get to know who I am, they wouldn't have anything to do. Well, many times we cancel ourselves, and when you're canceled, you're gone, you're, you're as good as dead, it's over. But if you're taking notes today, as we jump into 1 Corinthians chapter 15, I've got a, an interesting big point, and, and I, I want to talk about the significance of the fact, why seek ye, why, why seek ye the, the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. And I, I want to make this big point, write this down. What is so significant today about the resurrection, many things that are significant, but the resurrection cancels what is trying to cancel me. The resurrection cancels what is trying to cancel you. And I want to talk about that for just a few minutes before we close our service, looking at what Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I'm going to pick, pick up our reading in verse 12. Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection from the dead? And by the way, this is, this is nothing new. Uh, Pharisees, Sadducees, those ancient, you know, the Jewish uh, religious groups, they fought about this. Sadducees said there was no such thing as a resurrection. Apparently, we don't know who it is, but they're still arguing this in the church. He's like, you know, if, if, if you're saying this, how, if he really is risen, how can you say this is the case? Verse 13, he, he uses an interesting uh, strategy to get our attention when he, when he asks this question, but if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise if it's true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. And he says this, he says, if in Christ we have hope in this life only, 
We are of all people most to be pitied. And, and real quick, I want you to keep your Bibles open because we're coming back. He's, he's asking these what if questions. And I don't know if you've ever asked those. You know, I've actually wanted that. You know, like, like what if I didn't go to the college that I went to? Would I have met Lori? Would we have got married? You know, what, what, if, what if our family hadn't moved out to Idaho? Or what if I had, hadn't accepted the call here? Great. You, you know, you ask these what if questions because there are some events, there are some things that happen that, that really are turning points. You might not even know it at the, point, at the time, but they're turning points for, for the rest of your life. And what Paul is doing, he's asking these what if questions. What if the resurrection hadn't happened? And so what he does is he, he answers the question by saying, everything that we're doing here this morning, it's pointless. The songs, the message, even the photo booth, come on. You know, it's just like, what is the point of this? It is all pointless. What we're believing in really doesn't matter. If Jesus, if Jesus didn't walk out of the tomb, our sins rule, we cannot be free, our faith is in vain, and every funeral we've been to is the final word. But Paul does not end with verse 19. I love what he says in verse 20. But in fact, Christ has been raised. I love what he comes back. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. He's the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, and, and here he's referring to Adam and the first sin that, that started all of this, the, these issues that, that, that we have here. And we're going to talk about that. For as by a man came death, by a man, speaking of Jesus, has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ all shall be made alive. But even in his own order, and he gives us this order. It starts with Christ's resurrection. It's Christ, the first fruits. Then at his coming, Jesus is coming again. I love this. Then at his coming, those who belong to Christ. Then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father after destroying every rule and every authority and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to, to be destroyed is death, for God has put all things in subjection under his feet. Can I tell you some good news? But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. And when Jesus walked out of the tomb, I'm going to support my big point, but coming back to what, what Paul is saying here, Jesus canceled three things that are trying to cancel every single person in this room. First of all, he canceled sin. Jesus canceled sin. There's not a person in this room that, that hasn't struggled with a sin problem. You saw Matt's story. Matt's story, your circumstances might be different, but the reality is we can all identify with that story because in some way it's our story. We struggle with sin. You look up and down your row, you're sitting with a bunch of sinners. And you're on that row too. So anyway, uh, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But here's the thing, sin doesn't just have issues horizontally, though it has those. You know what I'm talking about? Relationships, sin impacts our relationships with spouses and with kids and with friends and, and all of that. We all have, have things in the past. There, are, there have been deaths of relationships, there have been deaths of careers because of sin. But it's not just that it has horizontal impact, it has a vertical, uh, vertical aspect. You see, there's a fellowship that we were intended to have with, with God. It's broken. We cannot have this thanks to sin. But thanks to what Christ did on the cross, thanks to what happened when Jesus walked out of the tomb, he dealt with sin. But here's the thing. Sin, th th there's a debt that has to be paid. 
I've told this story before, but it, man, I, I came back to this yesterday when I was doing some, some final work on my message. When I was a kid, I went to, I went to, col- uh, to college, and uh, my first, it was a, I was at Indiana University. My very first day on campus, somebody got me to sign up for a credit card because I just wanted a free T-shirt, got a credit card. Long story short, didn't use the credit card for actually probably over a year. I just had it in my pocket. But one particular day, uh, I'd actually transferred to another college in Cincinnati, and uh, my, my card went with me, and my friends went out to Outback. And they invited me to go, and I went, and I hadn't been getting a lot of hours, didn't have a lot of money in my account, and I'm like, I don't have the cash, but man, I want to eat like everybody else, and I justified, I pulled out my Discover card and laid it down, and it was so easy. Oh, that was great. That was easy. Put it back in, and, and the, you know, the weeks that followed, ah, here you go. Use that, use that card, man. It's a lot easier to use that. The, the card that pays you back. I mean, I just, it was probably going to be good. Until I remember it was my second semester there at the College of Cincinnati, I got a, got a statement in the, got the, the statement and there was a number on there that I did not have in my bank account. And she's like, well, what did you do? Well, I threw the statement away. Out of sight, out of mind. I'm gonna forget about it. Apparently, they don't forget about it. I got more statements. Got, in fact, they, somebody gave them my phone number. Somehow they got my number. And they, they like talk scary. Like when you're talking, I'm like, I'm waiting. Like there are going to be people showing up outside my door with baseball bats and this is not going to go good. And so I, I actually made one of the hardest calls I've ever made in my life. I had to call my dad and I said, dad, here's the situation. Here's what I did. I'm a moron. He's like, yes. And I, I said, I, I, dad, I, I cannot pay this bill. Can, can you help me out? And dad said, I'm going to do this one time for you, but the only th- you have to cut up the card, send it to me so I know you did it, and I'll make sure that I take care of the statement. I repented right then of my sins. I just cut that up. I sent him the thing, and he took care. He paid the debt. We all have a debt. And what Jesus did is he took care of the debt. Was it dad's debt when he paid the bill? No, it was mine. Was it Christ's debt? No, it was yours. It was mine. But when he hung on the cross, man, I I like how Paul puts it elsewhere in in Colossians 2, verse 13. He says, and you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your faith, God made alive together with him. Check this. Having forgiven us all our trespasses, our sins. How'd he do it? Verse 14. He uses this word cancel. By canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands, this he set aside, nailing it to the cross. Notice he didn't say nailing him to the cross. He said nailing it to the cross. Many times I've read this and I think it's referring to to Jesus himself. No, there there was an ancient practice that that would take place. And what happened was when a debt would be paid, there was a Greek word that they would write across that that you knew was paid in full and they would have a post and, and you would drive this record of debt with this word paid in full. You would drive a nail through the, through the, uh, through the paper or whatever it was to the, to the post and people could see that the debt had been taken care of. He's referring to this practice, but I don't think it's any accident that even using the Roman means of execution, he provided us a visual when they drove the nails into Christ. It was the debt was being paid. 
for our sins. What, what we can know for a fact is that Jesus canceled your debt. Your debt has been paid in full. And, and this is why Paul asks, Paul, Paul says, if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. But thank God for verse 20. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. Can we put our hands together? Because sin is canceled. We have this confidence that thanks to the resurrection, sin can be canceled. But it's not just the sin is canceled. Thanks to the resurrection, death is canceled. Fear of death is canceled. He speaks this, and you know, it's interesting. I, 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 over the last years, I've have had so many funerals that I've been part of, officiated, and I've had so many friends and family die. But maybe the one that got me the worst was, it just happened a few weeks ago where I got the phone call that nobody wants to get. And they shared that a good friend of my family, my, my, my daughter and her played basketball together. My son and, and this girl graduated together. Johnny Holloway was killed tragically in, a, in an accident on 2026. And man, when I got the, got the message, literally, I, I mean, I, I, unfortunately, just part of my job, I see a lot of death, but this one made me sick to my stomach. I've known them for years, the Holloway family. And Johnny Holloway, she, you know, just a precious girl, just, just a special girl. The next morning, Marcus, her dad called me. Literally, I've known Marcus. I think Marcus was, was, helped me unload when I moved out here in 2004. That's how long we've known each other. And man, just Marcus just pouring out his heart and just, man, he's broken, he's crying. He's, he said, man, I've got, I've got all these doubts. You know, I'm asking, why, God, why? And, and through this, you know, he's wrestling. Man, why couldn't it have been somebody else? My daughter was living for you and all this. And, and at the end, he, he's, he's crying when he says this. He said, Keith, he said, man, there's only two things I'm holding on to. He said, the first thing is this. He said, ever since I've been following Jesus, he said, I can't ever remember a time that God has not taken the worst in, a, this, in tragedy and brought some good out of it. He said, I can't see it right now, but I, but I believe God can do this. And then he said this, he said, and I believe I'm going to see my daughter again. I mean, my heart was, was broken. I prayed with him. And then a few days later, we, about a week later, we were at the funeral at Bethel Nazarene here in town. And the room was packed. Johnny, this little girl, would have been shocked at how many lives that she touched. And, and what, what, struck, what, what struck me in this moment, and it strikes me every time I get the chance to be part of a, a funeral of a believer, is how, though there is grief, that's a very real thing. There is hope that is undeniable. And each person that spoke, whether it was her parents, as, as, as their letters were, were read, or, or as the youth pastor spoke, or as the pastor spoke, everything spoke to the hope that we have. This service, this life is not ended. Johnny is alive. She's more alive today than she's ever been before. And by the way, you're like, yeah, that's just a way for you. It's a crutch for you to deal with grief. Guys, can I tell you, if we don't have, if our hope is only in this life, this is what Paul's saying. We are of all people most to be pitied. But the fact is, when Jesus walked out of the tomb, he changed everything. Jesus canceled death. 
At the end of 1 Corinthians 15, we see him saying in, in, uh, in, in verse, 50, 50, uh, what is it, verse 51, he's looking at our future uh, resurrection where he writes, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. We shall not remain dead, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we shall be changed. When the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Did you catch that? Death is swallowed up by victory. Death does not swallow life. I love this. Victory swallows death. And what Paul does is he goes on there and he starts talking trash to death. He's my kind of guy. Look what he says. Oh, death, where is your victory? He's taunting death. Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And church, though it will be ultimately the last enemy defeated, as Paul wrote, thanks to the resurrection, Jesus, Jesus has conquered, conquered death. He has conquered the fear of death. I love this, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. Death is canceled. Is that worthy of celebration this morning for the fact he's canceled sin, he's canceled death, but he doesn't stop there. I feel like I'm selling something on TV, but that's not all, folks. Not only does the resurrection cancel sin and can cancel death and the fear of death, church, what I love that we get to celebrate this day is that Jesus, his resurrection canceled hopelessness. And guys, there's, this is where we've got to lean in because we've been singing the songs, we've been reading the scripture, we've been praying, I'm preaching, but none of this matters. None of this matters if Jesus is laying somewhere, his body somewhere, if they, if they just stole it and, and, and buried it somewhere else. None of this matters. That's why Paul goes on to say, Jesus showed himself, he, he showed himself to nearly 500 people. He showed himself to his disciples. He showed himself to Peter. Listen, there, there were people going around saying, no, I actually saw him. This is validated by history. But I'm gonna tell you, when Jesus walked out of the tomb, he changed everything, changed everything. One of the, this is, this is an interesting story. Um, my first Easter here at Grace was in 2012. And I'd come in August 2011, 2012 for first Easter. And, and there's a guy that I met, uh, and, and I hardly ever do this when I meet somebody for the first time. But we're talking, and I, I'd met him, and I got his name, and I said, hey, man, I said, sometime I'd like to touch base with you. Let's, let's go out for lunch or something like that. I normally don't do that like the first time. I might do that the second time we talk. Just make sure you're not like a killer or something like that. I don't know. I, now, by the way, that doesn't mean if I haven't asked you out to lunch that I think you're a killer, okay? So let's get that cleared up. <laughs> but no, well, I, I just asked, I said, man, would you be willing to go? And, and he looked to be kind of weird, like, all right, and gave, gave me his number. And so a few weeks later, I reached out and Sam and I went out and it was weird. We, we went out and, and we could not be any more different personality-wise. He was extreme introvert. I'm extreme extrovert. I know it surprises you, but um, we, we just, we found common ground though. We, we would get together and we just started to, every once in a while, get together to eat. 
Um, and he liked to eat, and so that, man, I did too. In fact, the reason I love Thai food is because of Sam Watson, man. That guy took me to a Thai restaurant and did not tell me that there's a difference between Thai food hot and Mexican food hot. And so they're like, do you like your food spicy? I'm like, sure. And I, he never said a word. Dude, laughed the entire time, like it's dripping off my bald head into my pad thai. But I, I, man, he introduced me to Thai food. And, and you know, I, man, we, we just, we became friends. And as we began to talk, um, he shared, he shared that the, he, he was comfortable talking about a few things, but there were some things that were just off limits. And we'd get up to talking about faith and, and this wall would go up. And, and he, he shared a little bit about his past, that he had some issues with the church, or been, he'd seen some terrible things happen, some, some things that happened to him. And he, he, he told me one time, he said, no offense, he said, I just don't like religious people. I'm like, all right. And so I, I respected that, but we just became friends. Well, it was a matter of a few months. He was diagnosed with ALS. And it's so interesting because when, when God moments take place, you, you don't always recognize that they're God moments. Like when I met him, I had no idea what was going on. But as we begin, as we continue to meet, we'd meet this month and it might be a month in between or a few weeks. And I, I noticed his, the impact the disease was having on his body to the point that it got to where you know, he had to have the van, he, he used a, a wheelchair, and then it got to the place he couldn't meet me anymore because he, he couldn't eat, couldn't swallow right, um, and then he couldn't talk. On Thanksgiving, I believe it was 2014, if I remember right, um, he was taken to the, the hospital. I got a phone call, I was at somebody, a friend's house. They said, hey, Sam's in the hospital. They don't know what's going on. So I just got in my car. I drove over to St. Luke's uh, off of Eagle Road and walked in. The room was filled. He, he had a lot of family, a lot of people love Sam. And I walked in. I didn't know a lot of the people, so I just did the quick thing. It wasn't the time to talk or embarrass him or anything. I just, I prayed with him and, and then left. I got, I got off the, the Eagle exit. By the time I got to the Meridian or just past the Meridian exit coming back towards Nampa, I don't know that I've ever had this happen after a call, like the, after a visit. Um, it was like God was sitting in the seat next to me and he said, I want you to go back and talk to Sam. I'm like, ah, I don't know. I, I, and so I argued all the way to the Gary exit. <laughs> like this is just me, it's my imagination, but it was so strong that I got off the Gary exit, turned around and started back. And the whole time I'm praying, I'm like, okay, God, don't set me up. I don't know what I'm gonna say. This is gonna be weird. I just was there. What, what's going on? And nothing, man. I'm praying, I'm praying. I pull in the parking lot and I'm getting ready to walk in. I, I literally, I remember parking the car. I paused and said, God, you gotta, you gotta tell me what I'm doing because this, I, I'm, I'm not feeling good about this. And as I got out, I just knew I had to go. I'm walking and two words came to my mind. I don't know where they came from, except I just chalked up it was God. And the two words were this, come home. As I'm walking in, taking the elevator, I'm like, God, you gotta give me a little bit more than that. And he didn't. I walked in, Cynthia and Sam were in there and I, they're like, they had that look like, what are you doing here? And here's the cool thing. Everybody was gone. It was just them. I walk in and I said, man, this is weird. I said, if you think it's weird for you, it's really weird for me. I said, but I felt like God told me to come back and I said, there's just two words. I don't even know why. I just, there's two words that I think he wants to, he's saying, come home. And I'm like, well, what's that mean? I, I don't know. 
I said, but I'm gonna leave it with you and I wanna pray with you right here. And we prayed and I just prayed, God, would you make it clear? So there's a reason you brought me back. Would you make it clear to, to, to Sam and Cynthia? It was a matter, I can't remember how long it was. It might've been a few months. He was going in for procedure. It was a surgery and I asked if I could pray with him before he went. And I, and I, I asked if, I, if it could just be me. And um, so we're, we're praying. And at this point, he can, if I remember correctly, I think it was just, he could only communicate with thumbs because I know that's how he was responding to me. Thumbs up, thumbs down, yes, no. And I said, Sam, I said, I'm here. I said, they've, they've said that, I don't know if you're gonna make it. They don't know if, how the surgery's gonna go. And I said, I'm gonna pray for this. I wanna pray for you physically. I said, I said, Sam, I said, I know we've got this place and you've never told me where you're at. I said, but man, I, I really feel this burden. I, I want you to know Christ. I said, is it okay if I pray for God to do a work in you? And I said, listen, it's not my prayer. You can just call out to God. You can do this. I said, are you okay? And I said, if so, just let me know. And he just gave me the thumbs up. So I prayed. I prayed a prayer for, for Sam to respond. I got, done, I got done praying and his eyes were fixed on me. And I said, Sam, I said, here's the deal. I don't know what's gonna happen, but I said, unless there's a miracle, I'm probably gonna be officiating your funeral someday. And you're like, well, man, that's, hey, it's reality. And there's sometimes you just gotta say what you gotta say. And I said, I wanna know, I wanna know, have you put your trust in Christ? Have you asked God, have you asked Christ to be Lord of your life? Has he forgiven you from your sins based on what you just prayed? Sam goes like this. I'm like, all right, man, let's do this. A few, it was just a few weeks later, we had his funeral, but it was not a somber service. Yeah, it was somber in the fact that he was gone. Yes, there's pain, there's grief, kids grieving, wife grieving, all of that's very real and true. But in an instant, Sam found what I've said so many times to be true. If you're not dead, God's not done. And I can tell you here this morning that Sam is in Christ. I can't wait to hang out with my brother in heaven someday and we're gonna do it for all eternity. Because what Jesus did, what the resurrection did when he walked out of an empty tomb, he canceled sin, he canceled death, fear of death, he canceled hopelessness. And what that means this morning is this, I don't know who's here, who I'm talking to. Again, we don't always know what's happened in the moment until later. But all I can tell you is this, what this means is that sin doesn't get to have the final word. Shame doesn't get to have the final say. Addiction doesn't get to own me. Anxiety doesn't get to overwhelm me. Death doesn't get to have the final say in my life. No, if Jesus walked out of the tomb, it means that Jesus just didn't cancel sin and death. Jesus canceled hopelessness. And what I can know is this, this whole idea of canceled, it takes on a whole new meaning because while parachute pants are gone and hopefully they're never coming back, I hope I never have to sleep on a waterbed ever again. No, you know, whatever, yeah. I'm, I'm here to tell you, cancel takes on a whole new meaning because of what Jesus did. Shame is canceled. Sin is canceled. Death is canceled. Hopelessness is canceled. If in fact, Christ has been risen from the dead, it changes everything. And that's why he wrote, but in fact, Christ 
has been raised from the dead. And Jesus lives so that we can live too. He's the first resurrection, but he's not the last resurrection. And so this morning, I wanna invite you to stand to your feet. The team's coming back to sing. I'm gonna stand up here at the very end. I'm gonna be praying with you. And, and, and listen, if there's somebody that wants to respond to this and you wanna experience your own resurrection, today's the day. We serve a risen savior. Jesus is alive.